This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 193. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, this week on the podcast, we celebrate Repeal Day. As you may know, here in uh, here in the States, uh, December 5th, 1931, was the end of Prohibition. The 18th Amendment to the Constitution was a federally mandated dry period, make, making it technically or guess technically illegal to buy alcohol uh, or sell alcohol in the United States. So uh, the 18th Amendment was overturned by the 21st Amendment in 1931, and that was the end of Prohibition. We call it Repeal Day, and it's a great day to celebrate, great day to be a bartender or just someone who enjoys a good cocktail. So uh, it's uh, December 5th just passed, and I spent the day wandering around New York talking to interesting people and drinking great cocktails. We started by talking with Kara Newman, an author and influencer in the cocktail scene and uh, cocktail judge. She she judged the uh, competition that I was in recently, Diplomatico Rum. We met over at Swift Tiberian Lounge in Lower Manhattan. She recently released a new book called Shake, Stir, Sip. More than 50 effortless cocktails made in equal parts. So these are all cocktails uh, that have equal part ingredients. It's a cool idea for a book and it's a great book. So first I want to remind you, next week on Wednesday, December 13th, 2016 at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We're doing our online cocktail party. We're calling it Barcraft Live, and we're doing it in conjunction with a listener to the show and a podcaster himself, Steven Geisbert. He does the German language podcast called Cocktail Podcast. So we're having a tasting menu of five cocktails. Uh, we're going to be making them, and we'd love to have you join us live via video stream, and we'd love for you to uh, make the cocktails along with us too, if you like. Uh, to join, go to bartenderjourney.net slash events and fill out your first name and your email address and we'll send you the menu, the recipes and the details on how to join us uh, live. So, uh, and if you can't join us live, no worries, you can still get the, uh, the download the PDF of the menu and the recipes, not a problem, and we'll be rebroadcasting this as a podcast uh, pretty soon coming up and uh, we'll also hopefully have a video of that as well uh, that you can watch on YouTube. Uh, we did a little back and forth on the technology to use for this video stream. Uh, Stefan and I just did a test today, and the best solution we came up with was Google Hangouts. So I know we had talked earlier about doing um, Facebook Live, but uh, it just doesn't really work for this application. Um, so, uh, But with Google Hangouts, it's going to work out. There is a limitation on how many people can join a Google Hangout, so please get on over there and RSVP. Bar- you're going to do that at bartenderjourney.net slash events. So Shake, Stir, Sip is our book of the week, and we're going to be talking to author Kara Newman in a few minutes. But first, the cocktail of the week. It's the Corpse Reviver Number 2, which was an equal parts drink, and it's in, uh, it's in Kara's book. So it's equal parts gin, Lillet Blanc, or uh, you could use dry vermouth in a pinch if you had to, uh, orange liqueur, and lemon juice. Equal parts of those, so let's say three-quarters of an ounce of each. And uh, then you're going to add just a dash of absinthe. And you're going to shake that up real good with ice and double strain it into a chilled coupe glass. Corpse Reviver number two. All right, let's talk to Kara Newman. So we're here with Kara Newman at the Swift Hiberian Lounge. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to meet me here and joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Festive place right before Christmas. It is, it is. You you know, you never know. On a Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock, you don't think you'd see too many people in a bar, but this bar always always seems to have people in it. (laughs) It is hopping, and I love it. I mean, you have the... 
the, the Christmas ornaments hanging from the ceiling and the tree going up in the back. And yeah. Feels they cozy. Were, yeah, yeah. They were just hanging these wreaths just before you walked in, actually. So, uh, so author, cocktail competition judge, and uh, among other things. So, uh, that was, we met up at the uh, Domenico uh, World uh, Cocktail Competition. We did, where you made some lovely drinks. Oh, well, thank you. It was an honor to make drinks for you for that esteemed panel. <laughs> that was a fun one to judge. I like doing cocktail competitions, and especially I love seeing how people really pull out all the stops with their drinks. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's definitely an art to this cocktail competition thing. and It looks hard. It's, it takes a lot, of, a lot of thought, a lot of planning, and a lot of, um, you know, you got to think of a way to make yourself stand out other than just the drink itself, you know? I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> you and everybody else listening. I participated in a cocktail competition exactly once, making drinks, and I came in dead last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw that list of the, what, of 10 people I was competing against. I'm like, okay, here's one, one lady who te literally teaches a class about how to win cocktail competitions. Oh, wow. <laughs> Laura Newman. Oh, wow. <laughs> Some, no relation. <laughs> no, right. And uh, the owner of one of my favorite bars in Manhattan, those, uh, Maury Margo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frankie, who actually won. It was fabulous. And uh, somebody from the Avery in Chicago. Man, this, this is an all-star all cast. There some heavy hitters. And the drinks were really lovely. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it was fun. So, so shake, sip. Shake, stir, sip. Right. Shakespeare sip. Yeah, right. that, that's the con that's the name of the book, and the concept is all drinks made in exactly equal proportions. So everything is, you know, ratios one to one, or one to one to one, or um, I think the greatest number of ingredients in the book is, I believe, six or seven. But everything's in equal parts. That's a cool idea for a book. I, I don't think there's any other others like that. Hopefully not. No, <laughs> it's not a concept that's original to me. Yeah. It's been around since. You know, as long as cocktails have been around, sure. there have been equal parts, drinks, lots of great classics. But a lot of bartenders are really rediscovering it now and, and really putting their own spin on it. And there's some, some great ones out there. I found some amazing ones even even since the book came out that I wish I could go back and do volume two. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think bartenders like the uh, equal parts cocktails for some reason. I, I don't know if it's because it's a challenge or I think, it, I think that's part of it. You know, it's, it, it's a challenge to, to get it right. And I think I think you really have to choose your your brand, your spirits, your flavors even more carefully because of that. I think it really throw the balance off if you don't have good stuff in there. I think some bartenders like the challenge of creating these equal parts drinks. It really is a real challenge. I know I tried to create a couple to fill in gaps in the books and I really wound up pouring a lot of them down the drain. It's very easy to make a very bad equal parts cocktail. But I think in terms of being in the bars themselves, I mean, you tell me what you think, but I understand that it's easy to put them together. I know Souther calls yeah, them yeah, yeah. Zen cocktails. Souther right. Tea calls them Zen cocktails. So you can kind of Zen out while yeah. you're putting them together. A little less uh, thinking about math and things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much, you know, here's a quarter ounce of this, and a, you know, an ounce and a quarter of that is just one, one, one. And if you're trying to make more than one, yeah. it batches pretty well usually. Right. Yeah, it's great for batching. Great for uh, great for parties. Right. It makes it makes it easier to scale it up. Or Let's hope less so. Less easy to screw up. <laughs> you know, I figure if I can get away with not screwing it up, then it's, it's got to be foolproof. <laughs> Gary, what's your background? You have a culinary background? No, 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 no. no. Um, I'm a journalist. I've always been a journalist. Um, I actually started writing about finance. That was my okay. my early my early career, and somewhere along the line, I just 
pivoted and became more interested in food and beverages. And it was right around the time the whole cocktail revolution was just sort of right. ramping up. And there's just so much to cover and so many exciting things going on. Especially here in Manhattan. I mean, there's just so much. You, you can cover all the cocktail bars in Manhattan in a year That's if you incredible. wanted, I think, at this point. <laughs> no, no. And there's so many other cities like that now, too. Like, you go to Chicago and San Francisco and... I was in Pittsburgh recently, and I couldn't believe how much was going on in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you wrote an article about Tiki in Pittsburgh, right? I did, yeah. and that's just one little microcosm of what's going on in, in Pittsburgh right now, huh. which is one little microcosm of what's going on in the country right now. It's just, it's an incredible time that's to be funny. out there imbibing. Although, for some reason, Tiki's a tough sell in Manhattan. I know, we haven't had a good Tiki bar. No. We need a good Tiki bar. No, there really hasn't been. Um, I think since Lani Kai, went away. I mean, I don't know uh -huh. if we've had a, a proper high-end craft tiki bar since Mother of Pearl. Yeah, and they, they of sort of they sort of push away the whole. It's not it's not tiki. It's Polynesian. Right, right. But it's it's such a fun concept. I mean, I remember it from when I was a kid going out to uh, you know with my parents to the Chinese restaurants and get that big long cocktail menu. And they were oh, all tiki drinks. Those menus. <laughs> I remember those menus. You were too young to be drinking. <laughs> no, I I just got the cherry. I ate the cherry. My mom drank the drinks. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, no tiki drinks in my book. No. <laughs> Wasn't there one that was? There's a rum punch. Rum punch, right? I suppose right. if you garnished it elaborately enough, it could be a, a tiki drink. Right, right. I take that back. I retract. <laughs> so I, I jotted down some of the articles that you've written in, in uh, Wine Enthusiast, and there was uh -oh. some really cool stuff there. Um, Thanks. Oh, first I want to hear about the other the cocktails for a crowd book. Oh, okay. So. Um, Shakespeare Sip is my third cocktail book. The one before this was Cocktails for a Crowd, and that was all about big batch drinks. So it was pitchers, punches, uh, bottled cocktails, all meant for home entertaining. Mm -hmm. And it was largely also cold from, from bartenders. And uh, at, at the time, it was um, something of a novel concept to have a, a, a home cocktail book dedicated to batching. Now right. batching now batching is like nothing. Everyone batches. <laughs> Did you find uh, in doing your research on that that, that you had to alter the proportions somewhat? Uh, you hear about that a lot about with batching that, you know, just scaling up the recipe doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was advised to do things like um, not overdo the bitters right. or not overdo herbs or certain liqueurs like chartreuse tends to spread, I was told, and you have to taste as you go. But um, the way I went about testing the recipes for that book, I threw a party. <laughs> and it was probably the geekiest party in the world because I had all of my guests filling out uh, little spreadsheets, um, you know, saying this is too tart, this is too sweet, I don't, I don't like the flavor of this one at all, the presentation <laughs> is awful. But at the end, everyone had a real good time. That's great. But it's, it, I mean, even as a bartender, when I, when I have to throw a party at home, I find it a little challenging. First, the, the first challenge is finding something that everybody's going to enjoy because, you know, we bartenders like weird stuff like Amaro and, you know, chartreuse and strange flavors like that. Not everybody like, loves Fernet. No, it's a really hard sell <laughs> to, to friends and family sometimes. <laughs> Fernet's a tough one. I, I, don't, I don't love Fernet myself. <laughs> Sorry. That's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of, I've turned, I've turned a corner. I'm no longer an out-and-out -out Fernet Hater. Right. So there's that. But I don't think I'm ever going to truly love it and gravitate towards it, you know, as my, my first love. Like some people say, you know, opera, 
you'll grow to appreciate it, but either you, you love it or hate it the first time. Maybe Fournette's kind of the same way. You love it or hate it the first yeah, time. Acquired taste for sure. I mean, even Campari, you know, the first time you had Campari. I did. Like, I do love Campari. I love it. I love it. But the first time, you're like, oh, what is this? I don't, I don't remember my first <laughs> Campari. And especially I'll have to dig the, a little deeper on that. Especially the, um, you know, just taking a look at it, it looks like Kool-Aid or something. So it's not, not nearly it what It doesn't look expect. like it's going to be bitter. Yeah. <laughs> So what was the uh, the winner at the party? What was the the, uh, the favorite at the par- at that testing party? Oh, um, the the big punch party. I remember everybody loved a drink by uh, by Charles Jolie, who at the time was just sort of coming off of Aviary, I believe, um, and it was a drink called the the Guild Meeting. It was uh, rye whiskey, and it included tea. That was the magic ingredient: tea and and there was an oleosaccharum, that, my first time making oleosaccharum. Probably my, my first and last time putting oleosaccharum in a book. And it had orange juice and it just had this wonderful spiced quality to it. It was kind of strong, but it went down real easy. And that was the, that was the bowl everyone was gathered around and coming back for seconds and, nice. and thirds. And, Oleo Sacrum's magical stuff, man. It's it's really amazing, and it's and it's you know a bio, something you're gonna throw away anyway. The, you know the the lemon zest. If you're making a big batch of lemon juice, you know you don't want to throw all that away, and it just makes this great stuff. I do it now with um, grapefruit, grapefruit Oleo Sacrum. Oh, that's, that's a secret. I should I should probably patent or something. Cause this <laughs> is so good. Do it. <laughs> Can you change up different types of sugar when you're doing an oleosaccharum, or does it not make a difference? Uh, could do, could do, yeah. I, I haven't really experimented with that, to be honest with you. But I'm sure demerara it. sugar would be great, All right? Patent ah. it. Ah, grapefruit demerara. Yeah, now we're on to something. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> there we go. So you wrote about um, vermouth and how uh, there's been an evolution, you know, sort of a resurgence and an evolution with vermouth recently, yeah? Oh, there have been so many Bianco vermouths now and, and Blanco. I'm kind of in love with them right now. Yeah. I hadn't even tried a, a Bianco until maybe six months ago, or if I did, I, I didn't know what it was. It was maybe in a drink. And I just love them. I can drink them straight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I, I don't feel the same way about super dry vermouth. I do feel that way about sweet vermouth, but... I feel like this this new Bianco category is just such a revelation. Yeah, it's great. And and so now there's, you know, we used to talk about vermouth being either dry or sweet or French or Italian. and uh, But now there's weird stuff coming from all over, especially the United States, right? Vermouth comes from everywhere now. Yeah, yeah, it used to be just French and Italian, but right, United States. Have you tried uncouth vermouth? I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the, the nuttiest, I say that with affection, nuttiest... Um, craziest takes on vermouth I've seen in a while. Yeah. Adsby. Adsby. Yeah, yeah. That that's great. Armadillo cake and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think that's yeah. one of their, their yeah. brands. I tried a really interesting vermouth out of Chicago. There's some good ones out of um, out of the West Coast. Uh, the, the Imbue folks make some interesting oh, uh, vermouths. Yeah, they're kind of early adopters. You don't see it a lot around New York unless you're, you're looking for it. Um, well, I think Via, Via had a lot to do with the resurgence of Vermouth. Oh, they were pioneers and, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great guy. Um, what's his name? Qu- uh, Quady. Right? Andrew. Andrew Quady, I believe his name. I'm not sure if it's Quady or Quady. We'll cut this part. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a guest on my show years ago. 
but I, I met him at um, Manhattan Cocktail Classic. So what was that, 2013, I guess? And uh, man, super I was smart. Away. Yeah, he's a super such smart a, guy. Such a super nice guy, and uh, he's, his daughter is involved with the business. She's cool too, and it's really, really fun. And I that, love that we have a vermouth. Was, that was the first time I had vermouth. I was like, wow, this is something I would drink straight. You know? I am all for a vermouth revival and low ABV cocktails. Yep, yep. Uh, oh, and you wrote about Cuba. Did you actually get to travel there or no? I did. Wow. I did. It was, it was <laughs> awesome. That was back in, in April, and so much has changed even since then. Yeah. Man, um, now you can go direct. You can literally get on a plane in New York and go directly to Havana, which... The first flight was like last week, wasn't it? Yeah, a week right? Or two ago. I think I was one of the last people to do it the hard way. <laughs> we had to fly in through Grand Cayman, and then from there wait overnight for the next flight to Havana. And oh, wow. So what was it like? It was really good, really interesting. Um, so much cocktail creativity going on over there. So many amazing rums that often don't make it here. And we all hear about Havana Club as the, you know, the end-all, be-all. And it's, it's good stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, but there are, there are better rums in Havana than Havana Club. And until they start importing them here, the only thing to do is, you know, go there or find a friend to smuggle you some. Yeah, there you go. Well, go there and have some cocktails. That's what went on during uh, Prohibition, right? <laughs> I think you can probably have an experience now that's so close to the Prohibition days where you can probably go to Miami and literally get on a boat and go to, or a little puddle jumper and go to Havana and have a, a boozy long weekend and then return home. <laughs> Not a bad true. way to do things. Although it's, it's complicated, right? You need to take cash with you there's no credit cards and it's, it's right yeah not, not, e not an easy trip no 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 and yeah and you don't have access to your your phone or your wi-fi unless you make some very specific provisions ahead of time and that's a little disorienting and amazing at the same time you know <laughs> i i was i was pretty happy to spend some quality time with you know with my my daiquiri and and not think too much about what was going on at home just just unplug for a little while <laughs> sounds good so what other, did you discover any cocktails you hadn't heard of before there or anything stand um, out in your mind? There was one that we saw all over the place, um, a Ron Collins, which seems so obvious to me now, but I just never thought before. I mean, it's a, a Tom Collins, but instead of gin, it's, it's rum and it's served tall um, over ice in a Collins glass. Squeeze of lime. Drink. So refreshing. <laughs> Collins is a great drink. Great. And um, the other thing that really surprised me about about Cuba was um, how many of the cocktails there are, are not rum drinks. They have a really deep cocktail culture of their own that really? we just don't think about because like we haven't seen beers? it. Oh, a lot of vodka, a lot of gin. Um, are they brands that you've recognized or no? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of brands we're used to here. Whiskies. Um, I mean, they have... Almost everything. Um, not a lot of American-made brands. I don't know if that's what you were asking yeah. before. No, I saw no American-made okay. brands because we're not sending over there. But, right. you know, the, the Irish whiskeys we're used to seeing, the scotches, um, you know, vodkas from elsewhere. Right. Oh, and okay. You can go in and get something that's like a Bloody Mary-style drink with fresh herbs, and, and it's lovely. And it doesn't feel like something you'd go to Havana and order, but... <laughs> But it's good, and they have a lot of talent there. And um, so w just let's talk about rum. It's really having a little bit of a uh, moment in the sun right now, right? I mean, not that it ever went away, but, you know, really people are getting into 
high-end rums and, and um, seeking out good stuff. And there's a lot of bargains in rum. I'm constantly amazed by how many different varieties of rum exist. It's, um, you know, it comes from so many different countries. There's so many different styles. It can be light. It can be heavy. It can be almost, um, not unaged, but you have the, the white rum and the dark rum and the gold rum and the spiced rum. And even within all of those categories, there are all these other different micro categories. Yeah, there's different traditions based on location, but there's different methods and there's, there's a lot, a lot goes into it, but there's not a lot of regulation either. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have to admit, I've been fooled by rums that, um, that taste good, but I've learned later don't necessarily have the most up and up, uh, production standards behind them. Yeah. <laughs> that's always disappointing to find out, you know, oh, that's caramel coloring. Oh, there's flavoring in that. Oh, who would do that? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, you wrote an article about spiced um, spirits, and that's something we, as bartenders, usually turn our nose up at. Just like, oh, really? Just like flavored vodkas, you know, spiced rum is something, uh, you know, in the same uh, wheelhouse, should we say, as, as flavored vodkas for most bartenders, you know. But um, but you, you wrote about finding some good, except for uh, Ancho Reyes. <laughs> we, we always <laughs> like that for some reason. Yeah, that one seems to get a pass. I don't yeah, know why. I don't know why either. <laughs> It's, it's good. I like it. Um, but what else did you find that was good in, in the spice spirits category? Well, I have to kind of preface this by saying I have kind of a weakness for spicy food and spicy drinks. And we talked about my last two books. We didn't talk about my first cocktail book, which is called Spice and Ice, and it's all spicy spirits. So I feel like I kind of need to you know, push that one in under the wire as a, a preface because not everybody loves those flavors like like I do and that's okay but um, let's see uh, some of the the spiced spice slash spicy spirits that I enjoyed um, there's one out of Brooklyn Barrows Intense that's yeah, a, a ginger that. liqueur okay so I you like it. that one too I used it in my cocktail that I made for you that day yes I remember I yeah. remember yeah yeah I mean I love ginger yeah and their their thing is they really amp up the ginger it's even well above the the domain de, de domain de Canton. That's the yeah. that's the other ginger liqueur. Yeah, yeah. Theirs is just you know, if you like the domain de Canton sort of spicy sweet, theirs is spicy, 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 sweet. So well balanced. I mean, you know, yeah, it's sweet, but it's just perfectly balanced with the with the other flavors. I think. You know. And it's nice to have a, a locally made spirit in the yeah. mix too. And um, I think you wrote something about um about gin, about barrel aged gins. Right? I'm a fan of barrel-aged yeah. gins. You're seeing more yeah. and more all the time of that. There are a lot of them. I, I feel like every, especially every craft producer right now that has a gin and also has a, a barrel-aged spirit like whiskey, they're all experimenting with barrel-aged gins. And there's some really interesting ones out there. There's some real fun ones. Um, I tried one that was infused, um, that, that was aged in a, a former wine barrel um, actually, the guys out of California, Distillery 209, did an entire series of barrel-aged gins. They tried one in a Cabernet barrel and one in, I think it might have been a, a, a California Chardonnay barrel. And they were so different. And they still had that, you know, gin essence. And then there was a bit of the, the barrel, you know, that, that vanilla tone and then a little bit of the wine, that kind of fruity underpinning to all of it and it's just so so complex and so interesting yeah it's cool but it's a 
it's a hard sell. People don't quite get it. You know, you got to kind of sneak it into their cocktail because people are like, what, what? It's gin, but it's dark. I don't get it's it. It's such a weirdo little category. <laughs> it is. And you wrote, so you wrote a whole article about martinis too, right? You make it sound like I've been a lot busier than I have. It, well, there's a lot going on. Yeah, research for that martini article was just the worst, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> did you go around to different bartenders, different bars? and? Uh, I and, did. Have yeah. you been to Savage? I uh, know. Uh-uh. They're making a great martini out there. Where is that? It's in Brooklyn. Oh. It's from the guys who do Maison Premier. Okay. And they have this really elegant um, pre-batched. Here we go. Back to the batching. Pre-batched um, martini that they keep in, in the fridge. So, you know, it's nice and cold. They don't have to stir it or shake it. They just pour it for you. And the garnishes are very elaborate. And... Um, the, the gin and the vermouth are just very thoughtfully selected. I think they're both from Spain, if I remember correctly. And it's just, it's a lovely, lovely drink. Yeah, there's something about, uh, I haven't experimented with myself, but, you know, aged cocktails, not, not barrel aged, but just aged in a bottle. A lot of people say, you know, the flavors mingle and they makes a new cocktail, you know, makes it different. So I need to experiment with that myself because I find it a little hard to believe. <laughs> maybe if you're starting with a barrel-aged gin, maybe you're just kind of yeah. starting. You could do like a double barrel-aged, barrel-aged yeah. cocktail. <laughs> I'd say Negroni. Negroni with uh, barrel-aged gin. That's something you're seeing in a, in a few bars now, including uh, Amore Amargo, where they actually bottle everything ahead of time. And a part of that is about sustainability and you know using less ice, using less waste byproducts and things like that. It's an interesting trend that everybody's uh, giving that more thought these days, you know. I like the sustainability trend. I'm a little skeptical about some of the recycled garnishes. Oh, I haven't heard that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, garnishes that are repurposed from ingredients that were used to make a a core ingredient for for drinks. Like like you're using lemon juice for a drink and you're using the spent lemon rinds afterwards and infusing them in something. And it's, it's not a good example, but um, there are just some, some real out there examples. Yeah. Oh, what about um, room temperature cocktails? Is that not a something? fan. Yeah. I've written about them. I've, yeah. I've tried them. Um, they're, I mean, it's a really old model. Um, there's a drink called the, the Scaffa. I really hope I'm saying that right. A, a classic cocktail model that's served at room temperature and some bartenders are rediscovering it or they're they're playing with room temperature cocktails to try to push flavors forward instead of chilling them which which can um, dampen flavor and aroma so I respect the idea but I've I've not had one that I've, I've sincerely enjoyed yeah. sorry sorry anyone yeah. who's listening who made me one I'm sorry <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, an, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, yeah, it's not necessarily something I would seek out myself, but but I remember I worked in on the culinary side of, for years when I was younger, and I, one chef, one chef that I really respected, she would say all the time. Uh, we did a lot of off-premises catering, and she would say the food has to be hot because otherwise you have to add a lot more salt to it. When it, as it cools down, you need more more salt because the flavors start to dissipate. So. I, I forget sometimes how many culinary concepts are wrapped into into cocktails. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all all about taste. It's I about put, taste. I it's put about salt, seasoning. I put salt in my cocktail uh, for the competition. A little bit of salt to wake it up a little, and you know, just why not? Chefs, Very nice. Chefs have been doing it for years. You know, why not? 
It would be neat if someone came into a cocktail competition and did this whole culinary exhibition, you know, brought in a portable stove and mixed in in pots and pans and said, I'm going to be confronted with this someday, aren't I? I'm going to judge a, a cocktail competition in the future and someone's going to bring in pots and pans and <laughs> cook, cook with, with air quotes, cook a cocktail for me. <laughs> and I'm going to have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> well, I look forward to that. <laughs> well, this was great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Meet me. Can I get you an Irish coffee? <laughs> <laughs> um, hell yeah. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.